0: This year they wear the skirts up to here, next year the skirts are up to here, then they're back down to here. And, and, and <laughs> it probably it, pro- it probably was funnier in Romanian, like in his head. But when he but but the point being, these trends they come and go, and there's cer- certain principles that are eternal.
1: Everything comes and goes and comes back again. Yeah. So in in trends in fitness and gyms, you're going to see step aerobics maybe come back, not as big, but maybe come back. Zumba was huge, and and now dance based fitness is maybe making a comeback, but in a different way. So everything in some form or fashion comes back.
2: We
3: design manufacture a lot of fitness training tools, so we're always really on the lookout for new trends and new ideas, and it's very rare that anything new comes out from a I guess from a fitness perspective but it's not a version of something that's been around for a long time. You know there are one or two things that come out but generally they're things that have been around and are packaged in a in a slightly different way. When you've been around for long enough you can actually sort of see that.
4: Welcome to a special edition of Living 4D with Paul Chet. Today, Paul is talking with three guests from different spheres of the exercise, conditioning, and wellness industries about the philosophy of fitness. His three guests range from Matt Nickel, a veteran strength and conditioning coach with over two decades spent working at the highest level of professional sports, to Mindy Milrea, a powerhouse fitness professional, presenter, author, and course creator with numerous international awards, and Matthew Janasek, the co-founder of Escape Fitness, whose company designs and builds exercise environments across the world that bring the fun and the challenge back into fitness. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. Your opinions matter, and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind, and to live their dreams. The podcast today starts with Paul, as he sets the scene for the discussions on fitness philosophy.
5: Hello, and welcome to my podcast on fitness philosophy, where I share my philosophy of fitness and that of other experts I've selected because of their depth of wisdom and experience in both the health and fitness industries. As you will learn, my guests for this podcast each have a significant amount of experience in the fitness industry and success in their respective fields. With each of the guests in this podcast, I will ask three key questions. What is your philosophy towards fitness, training, exercise, and health? How have consumer, athlete, and professional views, attitudes, and trends changed or not changed over the time that they have been in the industry? What do you see and predict for the future of fitness, training, and movement in general. To begin with, I will address these questions that I'll be asking each of my guests on the show today. To start with, I feel it is important to explain what a philosophy of fitness is. The word philosophy is Greek in origin and means phylos, or love of, and sophie means wisdom, skill, knowledge, or experience. Therefore, I will begin by sharing my love, wisdom, skill, knowledge, and experience of fitness exercise, movement, and health, and my special guests will follow, offering their unique insights. My philosophy towards fitness training, exercise, and health. First and foremost, my philosophy of fitness and health is that our intention towards fitness development activities should first and foremost be directed toward creating meaning in our lives and should have an aim or a goal, even if the goal is to have no goal, such as when using fitness as a form of unbound play. The goal of unbound play being to detach from the outcome, but engage fitness as a means of stress-free creativity. I feel that our fitness and health activities should be meaning-making for us because whenever we engage something meaningless to us, our heart is never in it. Some of the ways I find fitness to be equated with meaning in my life are fitness is an essential means of keeping my body healthy, and I feel that that is a good goal for everybody. The cost of not keeping your body healthy from a monetary perspective can be tremendous, but we shouldn't limit our definition of health to that of the body alone, for the fitness of our body is mirrored in our emotional, mental, and spiritual fitness. Our degree of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual fitness determines our capacity for agency and relationship to self and others, and when we are fit, we have a greater capacity to cultivate and share love that extends beyond ourselves. If we are unable to meet our own needs due to lack of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual fitness, we become dependent on others, such as family and friends, to help us meet our needs, which puts us in the place of a codependency. When we are in a place of codependency, we risk being a burden on those we love because we didn't love ourselves enough to take care of ourselves. Developing authentic strength. Fitness helps us find our growth edge in many ways. We can learn to deal with discomfort and learn to distinguish the difference between developmental levels of discomfort and pain. We learn when so-called pain is something we can endure and grow through, or when pain becomes limiting and may obstruct our intention of long-term authentic fitness and health. Developing authentic freedom. The more fit we are, the more freedom we have to use our body. When we have emotional, mental, and spiritual fitness, we can experience more freedom in the ways we live, love, and express ourselves in the world. Self-exploration. Fitness and health development is a fantastic means of challenging ourselves and seeing where we are naturally strong or gifted and where we have room for growth and development. I have learned a lot about myself from engaging in high-intensity weightlifting, lifting stones, being involved in competitive sports, martial arts, and being on jobs that required a tremendous amount of strength and endurance, such as working in logging camps, on drilling rigs, being a stonemason's apprentice, clearing land, farming, being a soldier, or working long, hard shifts on a fishing boat. My injuries and health challenges taught me to pay attention to what worked to help me heal, what didn't, and to continually explore new and alternative ways of developing or healing myself. Developing discipline. Naturally, depending on the events of our life at any given time, or our psychological disposition to the demands of the type of exercise we are engaging, or the type of health challenges we are working through, our mind may start generating excuses as to why we should skip our exercise commitment at any time, or not follow through on the changes we need to foster health. I have found that accomplishing anything meaningful in life does require discipline. When we lack discipline, we are less likely to create what we want in our life. Naturally, if we can't rely on ourselves, our lack of self-reliance, discipline, will express itself in relationships with others. Developing creativity. Fitness and health pursuits are an excellent means of expressing our creativity. Creativity, as Einstein said, is more important than thinking. This is because solving real challenges, inevitable in life, requires creativity. The more creativity we have when designing our own Health or exercise plan or program, the more versatile we become through engaging multiple options. Because there are literally thousands of ways and types to exercise, ways to eat, nourish ourselves, and heal, being creative makes it more fun, more likely that we will continue for the long run, and helps give us more of what I call movement nutrition. Just as we need a variety of nutrients in our diet to be healthy, We need a wide variety of movement modalities and movement challenges to be healthy as a whole human being. Sadly, I came across research many years ago while writing my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, that showed that the average person today only knows between 6 and 12 exercises. That was quite a shock to me. Another study, completely independent of this study on exercise, surprisingly, showed that the average person today only eats 6 to 12 foods throughout their lifetime. When you consider the diversity of environments we engage, both indoors and outdoors, the unexpected demands on our body that having children brings, the changes in the environment during different season, or how our job demands change, having adequate movement nutrition and variety in sustenance becomes one of the best forms of health insurance that there is. If I were to make a relatively concise statement as to what my philosophy of fitness training and health is, I would describe my philosophy as follows. Fitness, exercise, and health are essential aspects of well-being. Well-being is a state of being grounded in one's center, or self, such that they are capable of expressing their creativity, engaging the challenges of life with a willingness to learn, grow, and have more to give back to life. Now that's a short, concise statement of my own philosophy of fitness, which includes health, so I'll share it with you once more. Fitness, exercise, and health are essential aspects of well-being. Well-being is a state of being grounded in one's center or self such that they are capable of expressing their creativity, engaging the challenges of life with a willingness to learn, grow, and have more to give back to life. In response to the question, how have customer, athlete, and professional views, attitudes, and trends changed or not changed over the time you've been in the industry, I will share what I've observed. I have observed that within the public sphere, there hasn't been a noticeable change or increase in the number of people that value and use exercise as an integral aspect of their living philosophy in the 38 years I've been in the health and exercise profession. Many years ago, I came across research by Michael Mogadon, who has a master's in public health. His research identified that only 8% of men and 3% of women worldwide do any form of regularly scheduled exercise which included even walking a dog. Sadly, I haven't seen the actual percentage of the worldwide population that does any regularly scheduled exercise change. With regard to health, sadly, if you look at the statistics of chronic disease and early mortality as a result, we are witnessing the progressive degeneration of the human species right before our eyes. Clearly, our views and practices of health and exercise, so often backed by science, in air quotes, have not improved our health. When analyzed globally, in the time I've been in the health and exercise industries, I've seen the gym scene go from mostly free weights and some old style cable machines with very little cardiovascular equipment to a tremendous focus on isolation of the body parts coupled with an addiction to cardiovascular exercise. Then, in 1988, the year I developed my primal pattern movement system and introduced the Swiss ball to the gym industry, I began traveling the world lecturing on functional movement and functional exercise, and there was scarcely a gym to be found in which functional training could be performed. Over the next 20 years, I would watched the progressive transformation of the gym industry from one in which isolation machines were replaced by training with functional movement patterns and a return to traditional free weight training. The use of medicine balls, cables, balance apparatus, club bells, and other such functional training tools exploded on the scene once there was enough public education to cultivate a market for such approaches. Though there are now many gyms around the world equipped with functional exercise tools and free weights, the standard of education in personal training and strength and conditioning has sadly been hijacked by product manufacturers where education conferences for health and exercise professionals were once inspired by a diversity of high-quality educators with a variety of skills and teachings, and presenters were paid anywhere from $50 an hour to $1,000 an hour depending on their qualification and capacity to draw large crowds, most health and exercise conferences today do not pay educators. In actual fact, With the exception of keynote speakers, they charge them a fee to present at conferences and generally want them to become sponsors of the conference. Health and exercise conferences around the world today are no longer authentically there to bring the brightest minds and great achievers, but to bring the brightest minds and greatest achievers that have signed a deal with one or more product vendors. Such high-profile people are used directly or indirectly to sell products, be that equipment, supplements, or packaged so-called performance bars, powders, and other foods and drinks. Just look at the influence Gatorade, Red Bull, and Monster have had on both exercise education and professional sports. Look carefully at who sponsors the Olympics, and you will see glaring examples of what I have witnessed and what I am referring to. Sadly, I've seen the entire health and exercise industry go from chasing get-strong, get-fit, get-slim-quick pills and gimmicks to more of the same. The only difference is that now much of the get-fit, get-slim, get-healthy-quick gimmicks include electronics. We now have a massive biohacking industry that makes all sorts of promises to those without the depth of wisdom to realize the ramifications of relying on electronic gadgets. To be fair, there has been some progressive growing interest in the awareness of whole food eating among regular exercisers, but the percentage of people eating organic food worldwide hasn't changed since I began writing my book, how to eat, move, and be healthy around the year 2000. It was 4-6% to of all food consumed, and now it remains exactly the same 22-plus years ago. What people fail to comprehend is that each time you use an external device to tell you something about your body or your life that you should be able to monitor and respond to yourself, your awareness of and capacity to respond to any such aspect of your body or mind diminishes. Soon enough, if your batteries die or you forget your biohacking device, you are like a child lost in the woods that has no internal compass. Additionally, all such devices are based on research on broad populations, and then algorithms are used to build averages or so-called norms. Yet, we are as different on the inside as we are on the outside. As I often tell my students, you could have a 10-ton stack of rocks with an average weight of 2.2 kilograms, yet weigh every single stone in that pile and find not one single stone that weighs 2.2 kilograms. Therefore, I must ask each of you: are you average, the norm, or are you a unique individual with unique needs? I have watched as medical corporations have not only progressively invaded the health and fitness conferences, but the public marketplace. We have seen just how far the medical corporations are willing to go with COVID. If you look at what the tech wizards and those organizations behind them are planning, it's biohacking on very powerful steroids and includes the implementation of electronic devices right into one's body, which means that at some time soon, we will all have to decide when one is no longer human, but transhuman. I have seen no change in the standard of education required in most countries, and where education standards have been implemented, in all cases I've seen, they have been significantly influenced by medical corporations and equipment manufacturers. A perfect example I can offer is implementing the idea that one must do cardio fitness to have a healthy heart, versus getting functional fitness and keeping your heart healthy by using functional exercise patterns to do strength endurance or endurance exercise. For example, it's doubtful that any construction worker, farmer, or furniture mover's heart will be any healthier because they ride a spin bike or use an elliptical trainer than it would be from functional exercise necessitated by their work environment. If you subscribe to Evolutionary Theory, we spent some 2 million years evolving in nature without a single treadmill, spin bike, elliptical trainer, climber, etc. And it wasn't until we started eating low-fat diets and adulterated fats that heart health became an issue. It's never been a lack of aerobic exercise that was the issue, but a lack of exercise and common sense dieting across the board that contributes to heart disease, let alone the mental, emotional, and lifestyle or work stress component that the medical system fails to address to this very day. The drive to sell exercise educators and gym owners to buy and use massive amounts of cardiovascular equipment to improve heart health is no more true or effective than the low-fat diet approach to heart health was but both have made billions upon billions of dollars for those profiting from this program belief. To summarize what I've seen in the health and exercise industry in my 38 and soon-to-be 39-year career as of January 2023, is that those that are naturally driven towards excellence in what they do and have a capacity for thinking for themselves and coming up with viable solutions have been and always will be the real leaders. They will always find the very best ways to exercise, feed, offer therapy, and help people heal and grow, regardless of what is trendy or which direction the herd is going. These people will always make the greatest mentors and teachers, and sadly, they are the most likely to be attacked because their wisdom shines a light on the marketing fallacies and gimmicks used by big corporations and organizations that are motivated by money above and beyond truth or what is best for the well being of human beings. With regard to our final question today, which is, what do you see or predict for the future of fitness, training, and movement? I will share the following. I see that just as with vaccinations and other forced or mandated medical interventions, Bill Gates' so-called plant-based meats and intentions to wipe out animal farming and take control of the food system, as well as the corporatization of global warming as a profit center for the very rich, there will continue to be a greater and greater divide amongst health and exercise professionals. I see two camps developing. Those that do not have the depth of awareness, training, insight, and the ability to ask critical questions and think for themselves will be corralled by large corporations and government influences that are in bed with them. The result will be a high-tech driven use of biosensoring machines and devices touted to be the safest and most effective. Many elite athletes and influencers will sacrifice their moral values and inner truth to make loads of money, just as they have always done. The second group will be those that are passionate about their career, have a genuine passion for learning and finding the highest truth available, and who understand the true meaning of longevity and sustainability and will congregate in select locations in any region of the world. They will, as they have always done, use a mix of the best natural health and wisdom combined with the skillful application of the most modern, effective technology. They will teach people that there are no shortcuts to authentic health or performance. Their aim will be to educate, inspire, and help people develop true sovereignty and autonomy so that their health and fitness gains and education serve them and their loved ones throughout their lives. And that is exactly, to the T, what the Czech Institute's Czech Academy program is designed to do, is create that camp of authentic health and fitness teachers and guides. Now that you've heard what my personal health and fitness philosophy is, what I've seen come and go in my career, and what I feel the future of health and fitness looks like, let's see what my special guests have to share in this regard. Hi, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. You know, our greatest sense of love, freedom, joy, and connection to others occurs when we become invaluable to them. The way to do that is called Gong Fu. Gong Fu means the development of mastery. When we develop mastery as a truly holistic exercise and holistic lifestyle professional, we have and exemplify mastery in the areas most everyone needs help with. The cultivation of happiness how to strengthen and vitalize our body through the scientific application of exercise, the principles of holistic eating, and the science of using sleep, rest, and introspection to regenerate ourselves optimally. Naturally, such mastery means higher income, more regular income, more word-of-mouth marketing, which is the most effective and least time-consuming means of marketing. Those with masteries always have people seeking their wisdom and help, regardless of how good or poor the economy is. Naturally, I've been honest in my critique of the fitness industry over the years, but trainers, strength coaches, holistic health coaches, and other members of the industry have a huge potential to change their clients' lives. They just need the right training and to take advantage of that potential to develop mastery. So this Black Friday, November 25th through 28th, we're holding a very special sale to help you realize your potential as a trainer or coach or to make yourself invaluable to your clients. Whatever your goals, whether it's opening a new practice, finally becoming a full-time Czech professional, specializing in your practice, or just filling the gap in your skill set, we have a course for you. For easy, time-efficient learning in the comfort of your own home, check out our online courses and promos at blackfriday.chekinstitute.com. That's blackfriday.chekinstitute.com. Purchase one e-learning course and receive a 10% discount on your order. Purchase two e-learning courses and receive a 20% discount. And if you purchase three e-learning courses, you receive a 30% discount on your order. For our advanced training programs, enroll in your advanced training program course pay up front and save $660 when you enroll or choose an extended payment plan of up to 11 months and save $330. Become invaluable now. Go to blackfriday.com chekinstitute.com, and take advantage of these incredible offers. The sale starts Thursday, November 25th, and runs through Monday, November 28th. Here's an insider tip. If you go to the link provided, you can sign up for early access to the sale and save your place in an advanced training program before the seats fill up. Everyone you help create more freedom and live pain-free will be more than glad you did, and you will too. After all, what's more rewarding than being invaluable because you are helping people look and feel better each day. Again, go to blackfriday.checkinstitute.com.
4: Paul's first guest is Matt Nickel, who has been working with professional and Olympic athletes for over 25 years, including numerous world champions, record holders, and Hall of Fame athletes from a wide variety of sports. Matt is an industry leader in hockey conditioning and hosts Canada's premier summer off-season hockey camp for top NHL players. Outside of his work in athletics, Matt has founded, directed, and partnered with several innovative companies in the health and wellness space. Most notably, he was the founder and product creator of BioSteel Sports Nutrition.
5: My next guest is a longtime buddy of mine. He was a student of the Czech Institute many years ago, in the beginning, actually, of the Czech uh, Corrective and High-Performance Exercise Program. Matt Nickel is here with us. Matt, welcome.
0: Thank you. It's an honor and a pleasure.
5: Thank you. And uh, Matt has a long history of training professional athletes, Olympic athletes. He's been a strength coach for multiple professional sports teams, including the Toronto Maple Leafs. Matt, you were the strength coach for the Maple Leafs for what, 12 years or something like that? Uh, About about eight years. Eight years. And uh, Matt and I have worked together uh, over the years on various clients, and I consulted with him for the Maple Leafs at one point. And he still lectures and is very dialed in with what's working and not working. So, I couldn't think of a better person to talk to about the topics at hand today for this podcast. So, Matt, uh, what is your philosophy toward fitness, training, exercise, and health, if you could sort of summarize how you, what's your way of philosophizing that or how you see this in your life and in your profession, in your career, like when you work with athletes and people like that?
0: Well, I mean, my philosophy was shaped in large part through your teachings, Paul. Obviously, you know that. And uh, I think that for many people, there, uh, for many trainers that are, might be listening to this, is sometimes they think there's a philosophical decision to be made, whether if, when you're training a professional athlete, uh, are, are you going to do what's best for their health and wellness? Or are you going to choose to do what's best for performance? But I learned a long time ago, again, uh, many thanks to you for that knowledge. But they're one and the same is that you you really can't achieve optimal performance w- without improving health or or trying to optimize health. And even if you could, it's certainly not the right decision uh, for that person. And if you think about why you got into this business or at least why I got into this business in the first place, it was to truly help people not just to be better at sports to score more goals or touchdowns or baskets, but to actually you know become the best version of themselves and Knowing that that's the case, then then obviously I'm going to try to achieve that optimal performance by optimizing their health and wellness.
5: Yeah, how do they receive that? Because you know, I know in my career, you, you get young young male athletes, especially that are you know they want to take any shortcut they can from pills and gimmicks to test to to testosterone boosters to steroids of any type they can get their hands on. So I've had situations where they sort of weren't interested in the holistic route. They just want to do anything to win and don't have enough depth or life experience yet to realize that that gives short-term gains, but could end up shortening your career. Have you run into any challenges like that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, uh, you know, you can always point to examples and I remember, you know, very having this exact discussion with you probably 25 years ago. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you pointed out to me that, you know, George Burns smoked cigarettes until he was 90 some odd years old. Uh, but it's probably not a good idea, you know, to smoke cigarettes unless you're, unless you're quite certain that you have the exact same copies of genes that George had. And you yeah, know, probably <laughs> it's wise. If, you know, if you want to play the odds statistically, you probably shouldn't smoke cigarettes. It's probably not good for you. So I think with athletes, it's, it's obviously. You're dealing with the top one 100th of a percent of the genetic population. You know these are the cream of the crop genetically speaking. There are going to there are certainly outliers. There are there are lots of guys and girls that don't have optimal diets and they still look great uh, and they still perform well. But my question is to, always to them: Okay, that's even for those people. I would say that that's cool. But how long do you want to perform at this level? Two more years, four more years, ten more years? Because you know, generally speaking, you know, and you can always, you know, all the contrarians out there, and that's, there's lots of them these days, they're coming out of the woodwork on every topic. Someone is always really excited to point out, "Wow, oh, well, what about so-and-so? He eats cheeseburgers, or he does this or that. Yeah, absolutely. There are outliers in every situation. But for the other 98% of them, you know, I'm not saying perfecting, I'm not even necessarily saying optimizing, but moving on a pathway to optimizing your health. Definitely will help increase your longevity. There's no question about that, and I think in many many cases it does improve performance. Not always. It's not always in the objective, short term, obvious ways. That's the hard sell. But I don't think I. You know I I think I have developed with most of my athletes a a fairly good rapport, uh, and I think that it's easy to say, okay, well, you know, if you sleep, if you sleep, you know, eight hours tonight, and you've normally been sleeping five, I can't promise you that you're going to be stronger, faster tomorrow. But I I think it stands to reason that, you know, if you do sleep better, more often than not, you know, it kind of just makes sense, you're probably going to be better off. And I I think that's an easy sell.
5: Yeah, yeah. And it's also common sense. I mean, all you got to do is say to someone, how do you how do you you notice a difference in your training when you're jet lagged? I've never met anybody that says they feel the same when they're jet lagged. Well, absolutely. That's basically sleep deprivation. So sleep deprivation ultimately equals performance deprivation because sleep is how we accumulate energy.
0: One thing you helped me with probably more than you know 20 years ago now is when I came into the Toronto Maple Leafs you know our our nutrition and we didn't have a nutrition plan we had we had you know sometimes they had some food provided not often and when it was provided it wasn't of high quality and it was a struggle at first you know and, and I was pretty militant at the time about Everything having to be, you know, or, you know, free range, organic, yada, yada, yada. And you helped me sort of, you know, understand the importance of meeting meeting some of these guys where they're at. So if they're eating bacon double cheeseburgers, maybe maybe they're not going to start eating perfectly tomorrow. But maybe tomorrow it can be a grass fed organic uh, burger, and then you can slowly nudge them down the road yeah. to say, hey, you know, by the way, that was you know a healthier version. of maybe we can just try a you know week by week, month by month you know, 1% better, 1% better, 1% better.
5: Yeah. I think change is easier to deal with uh, that way. The other thing, as you know, when you change the way an athlete or an individual eats and lives, it can actually knock them out of their social circles. And all of a sudden, everybody is wondering, like, why are you doing that? You know, so they have to get into all this dialogue and debate and people saying, oh, that's bullshit and stuff like that. So the The slower transfer is important because it's it's not just the individual; it's the it's the relationship they have with their peer group, and oftentimes the peer group is radically behind because many of their peers are not elite athletes; they're just friends, and those people aren't looking for the performance edge, so they're not so likely to really grasp hold of how important that really is. You know, absolutely. And I would say this that you know that probably the biggest
0: factor in in, or at least the you know the best way to drive this home is really through education and that's one thing that again I would in in my life I credit you for that is that you're not the first person to tell me to eat healthy you know my (laughs) my my grandmother and my mother and lots of people telling me to eat healthy forever but you're the first person uh that you know kind of embodied the qualities that I thought were admirable and then took the time to explain here's why it's important to eat healthy and here's what healthy means it means a lot of things to different people but if I say organic, here's why that matters. Not, you know, not just for the planet at the end, but here's why it matters for you. You selfish, you know, ego driven person, you know, 21 year old male <laughs> full of testosterone. Here's why you should care about that. And you found you, you've, you've found a way to connect to me and things that matter to me. I try to do the same with my athletes to understand, okay, here's why you should care about sleep. Here's why you specifically should care about Eating certain things or not eating other things, you know, drinking certain things and not drinking other things. So I think that education education goes a long way.
5: Yeah. You know, you've been in the industry a long time, like I have. Um, I'm curious in your thoughts how consumer, athlete, and professional views, attitudes, and trends have changed or not changed over the time you've been in the industry. Like when you look at what's going on, what's hot, how people train, what's important to them, or industry-wise for education. How have you seen that change over your career?
0: I, w- I would say that probably the biggest thing is that um, customers, you know, uh, whether you're, you know, if, if you're a private practitioner like I am mostly or or your athletes, if you're a coach, they're much more educated now than they ever were before. And I think that, you know, when I started out, I, I was an exception to the rule in that I, I sought out Information. I, I had to, you had to search long and hard for books about the physiology of training, the biomechanics of training, that's, that sort of thing. To take your course, you know, that was I had to. It was not easily accessible. You had to, you had to first get somehow get exposed to this. And I was in I was in Canada, and it wasn't that accessible. And then to take my level one, you know, I had to travel halfway across the continent. It was a major sacrifice. I think that people now there's it's information overload. So I think the good the good thing is that. That information is so accessible now. It's freely accessible to everybody. That's that's a great thing. The bad thing is that there's no way to filter out what is good and what is bad, what's right and wrong, what's useful and what's not useful. So I think that the good thing is that, you know, I, I think maybe 25 years ago, I could show an athlete a, a push-up and they thought I was a genius or I could tell them to, you know, there's a, this thing called organic and it's, it's better for you and I, I look like I was some kind of a guru. But I think now it's a little tougher because – the, the athletes are generally aware of these terms and lingos, but unfortunately the bad side of that is that they really don't, they they sometimes think that they they think they know a little more than they do, or they think they have information that may necessarily not be the most accurate, you know, for that given situation. So uh, I think that the trend is that the, the athletes are exposed to more, they know more, they're aware of more, uh, which could seem threatening for private practitioners. But for me, I think it just, Really cements our role even further is that I can act as that sort of filter to say, okay, it's cool that I understand that you saw this exercise that looked really exciting, but here's why it may not be the best one for you. I I know you heard about this diet trend or this supplement that seems really cool and seems like the the magic pill for you, but here's why it may not be specifically best for you, and you can sort of act as that filter.
5: Yeah, it was interesting. My marketing girl Kirsty recently brought me. A video to see. She goes, I really think you should see this and respond to it. And it was some personal trainer with just a massive following, like several hundred thousand followers. And it was just a complete rant against the Swiss ball saying it was dangerous. It was stupid and nobody should use it. And there's no reason why to use it. And I looked at that and I'm like, how in the world does somebody giving such bad information get that many followers? And She said, "Well, you'd be surprised how many just like that do have huge followings." So I uh, created a little wake-up to reality post on that and shared it. And I don't follow these things, you know, because I'm not—I don't have time to be living on social media like so many people seem to. But I'm just reiterating your point that there is so much information that a lot of people, athletes, and just general exercises or anybody, they don't, they don't, they could lock onto a guy like that and really believe that and get terribly, terribly misled. And then you have other people saying things like the foam roller is dangerous. And I'm like, Oh my God, well, everything in the gym is dangerous if you don't know how to use it.
0: <laughs> so. Exactly. I think, I think there was a time, you know, if we went back 25 years ago, if somebody genuinely had a, a large following of people, they you kind of had to you kind of had to put up or shut up you know if you had a following of people you either had to you know you had to be embody those principles you had to embody the results that people were looking for which then to me still doesn't qualify you as an expert necessarily to help others but at least it might be attractive to some but then someone like yourself to have numerous clients year after year different walks of life different sports that was your walking, living, breathing testimonial. So that 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 would, you know, that would earn you a following of people. Now I can I can go on social media and I can buy a hundred thousand followers tomorrow, you know. So and, and I think that, that we're so persuaded by the celebrity culture that you see that this person has a hundred thousand followers and you assume, well, they have a hundred thousand followers, they must they must know what they're doing, they must be good. But that's not necessarily the case. You really don't know if that person. Has helped anybody else if they've helped multiple different people? And have they helped anybody like you? You know, that's probably the most important thing.
5: Yeah. What have you seen over the last 25 years as far as what's the focus, either in the gym or in the education arenas, be it, you know, the big conferences or the smaller ones? How have you seen the way personal trainers and and strength coaches and exercise professionals? relate with clients or develop themselves or focus on what they think is important change?
0: That's a great question. I think from the, tr- you know, if I'm speaking as a trainer, I think it's sort of the the obsession with uh, the exercise of the day, the flavor of the day when it comes to that sort of thing, without having any understanding of where that exercise fits in the greater context of a program, you know, it, it, it uh, how it fits today, but where does that fit in? with this microcycle and the mesocycle, the macros, and where does it fit this year with the training? Where does it fit over the next four year period? Uh, And that's one thing, again, I do want to give you a shout out for that. I I don't think you get nearly enough credit because I know you've transcended this into, you know, areas that are more important for you. But I remember doing level one uh, 25 years ago and we had to produce a program for you. And I had to tell you with any program I wrote exactly how long that program would take down to the second, which is, Nuts! I don't I don't follow that anymore. That's a little bit crazy, but but it, it, it but it established that rigor of like every exercise that you do. Why did you specifically choose that exercise? Why not the other ten thousand available exercise? Why is that that one the best one for them? Why why three sets and not two and not four? Why ten reps not five and not fifteen? What what exactly is your rationale? And that was drilled into me from day one. And I think that that's really you know, had a a large, uh, large, you know, influence on me and my career. And I think that what I see now, trainers get enamored with, hey, so-and-so on Instagram said, this is a great exercise for fill in the blanks, football, hockey, baseball, back pain, weight loss, whatever it is. Well, understanding, well, why? Why? Because that that person might look the way you want to look, but very often the things that they're doing in their posts are not the things they did to achieve that appearance, first of all. And then secondly, well, why why specifically that exercise for and why why is that right for me? And would it also be right for you, Paul? Would it be right for Penny? Would it be right for Bob, Steve, Susie, whoever it is? So I think that's something that's because that doesn't sell on Instagram. That doesn't sizzle. So
5: yeah, exactly. How have you seen the nature or degree or comprehensiveness of the education change in the last span? Have you seen it? Have you seen that uh the exercise? and strength coaching professions getting better education or is it getting looser or what do you think's happening as far as how people actually value education and apply it that's again again a great question i
0: think you know i just attended uh and spoke at the swiss symposium this past weekend and one of the great things about that symposium is that ken i think he's really created something special because he brings so many different practitioners that that very often have very opposing views, which I think is great. I think it's great to listen to people that have diff, completely different ideas. You know, especially especially when you have two successful people that have opposing viewpoints. That other guy, maybe I don't like his message, but he can't be doing everything wrong. He must be doing a couple of things right, and I I, I should be open to, to being open minded and changing my views. So, but the best thing, uh, and Ken drives this point home all the time, uh, is that the presentation is they're great. Uh, you know, and, and you should listen and take notes, but the real magic is the interactions that you get, whether through Q&A or just even in the hallway. You know, when people can pull you aside and say, hey, you know, and you 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 use a phrase that that I like to say, so someone who's a, an honest truth seeker. Some people just like to, you know, they just want to stand up and hear themselves talk, or they just like to be contrarians and have arguments because they find that interesting and fun. But some people just genuinely say, hey, listen, you made this comment in your lecture, uh, how do you actually apply that? Here's what I do. And and I had amazing conversations with people in the hallways. And that's stuff that you can't, you just can't do online. You can't do on Instagram. And I think that uh, partly, it's partly COVID driven, but I think a lot of people, you know, for, there's a lot of reasons for business wise it's good to, to to scale your business online and, and to do virtual things like that. But I think the one thing that is missing now that hopefully comes back is is that human interaction. You know, I, I don't know that I would have gotten as much out of my education with you if it was all just online. I think there is an importance to be able to interact. And even if and even if it's not interacting in the classroom setting, that's fine. But when they're done their education with you, even if it is online, which I understand is completely necessary sometimes, I get it. But having some network to go back to, and you know, for me, it was myself and Rory Mullen. I would spend a week or two with you, and then I would come and I would just download everything with rory and we would workshop it and we would go through it and we would we would grab our athletes and say hey you know we did this really cool course let's see exactly how this applies i think that's the piece that's missing people assume that i can watch a 30 second video on instagram and i'm going to install it today without understanding all the rest of it that goes with it
5: yeah yeah very very important observations it is a very interesting situation with everything going digital you know we we've had to put a lot of stuff on online simply because the cost of traveling the hassles of traveling from covid but we still have mentorship programs and they have to come for live tests they can't pass tests that are key marker tests they have to be there physically present for hands-on testing so that we don't lose the quality of education that we provide Hi everybody, I'm super excited to tell you about Organifi Gold Chocolate, something that is very tasty and that my kids love. Organifi Gold Chocolate is a superfood hot chocolate healthy enough to drink every day, in fact, multiple times a day if you want. In fact, unlike most chocolate drinks that stimulate you and may disrupt your sleep if consumed after about four in the afternoon, my kids drink it right before bed, and unlike chocolate in general, it actually helps them sleep. Organify Gold Chocolate doesn't include blood sugar spiking ingredients like other hot chocolate alternatives, leaving you feeling good about indulging in this healthy chocolate beverage. It was formulated to deliver the same amazing benefits as Organifi Gold, but with a delicious chocolate flavor to help curb those holiday cravings, which we all seem to get. Some of the key benefits of Organifi Chocolate Gold, or Gold Chocolate, is that it has 10 superfoods for rest and relaxation. 100% USD organic certified, tastes delicious in warm water and amazing with milk or milk alternatives, promotes and supports relaxation so you can fall asleep with ease, supports a better night's rest so you wake up refreshed, and promotes a healthier response to stress and gives calming support. As you know, what most people reach for when they want something super tasty and enjoyable is generally not healthy, but that's not the case with Organified Gold Chocolate, which is USDA certified organic, certified gluten-free, and certified glyphosate residue-free, which is very important, dairy-free, which is great for guys like me, soya-free, which is very important, vegan, non-GMO, and clinically proven ingredients, 100% organic whole food, which means it's great for everyone. Save 20% on your purchase of Organifi Gold Chocolate by using the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. That's CHECK20 on checkout. Go to organifi.com, dot com forward slash CHECK20. And again, for your 20% Living forty d discount, use the code CHECK20 in all caps. Enjoy Organifi Gold Chocolate. What do you see or predict for the future of fitness, training, movement in general? How do you see things moving forward over the next two, three, five, ten 10 years? Well, I, you know, I think, you know,
0: uh, one of my professors uh, when I was doing my master's degree, Tudor Bompa, used to have a saying that I loved. Uh, anytime I would get so excited about, I was one of these young guys like the Instagram coaches now. I would run in on Monday in, into his office and say, look at this article that I just read, uh, you know, look, look at this thing I got from the super training forum or from elite FTS or testosterone nation. And he would, every he would always look at me kind of with probably with disgust, but he had this look and he would just say this year that they wear the skirts up to here. Next year, the skirts are up to here. Then they're back down to here. And, and, and <laughs> it, probably, it, pro- it probably was funnier in Romanian, like in his head, but when he, but, but the point being these trends, they come and go and there's cer- certain principles that are eternal, that you just can't, that you just have to learn to embrace. I think that I see, you know, whether it was COVID driven or whether it's just the digital age, you know, every, everything going online, which, which is great for so many reasons. It makes it accessible everywhere. It's all kinds of people. Uh, I think that there's so many good things about that. I, I still believe there is inherent value in interacting with other live human beings, whether it's a trainer, a trainer, an athlete, coach and an athlete in person whether it's going to an actual gym with other human beings i know for me personally i'm i'm getting old and i you know there was a time where i would go and train for every day three hours a day sometimes multiple times per day and i had that that fire and it didn't matter i didn't care if there was people or no people music no music empty parking lot give me a barbell or a rock and i'm good i'm at the age now where that social aspect is good i'll meet you know ken Kanakin and i will get together and we'll you know, we'll live together and I, you know, probably in two hours, we probably do 15 minutes of quality work and an hour and 45 of <laughs> flapping our gums and, you know, but, 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 but that's part of the, you know, I enjoy. And there's times that you and I have, we've trained together many times. And obviously I learned by watching you and obviously it was a great workout, but there was just, there was a lot of banter and camaraderie in between sets. And that that's as valuable as anything else, I think.
5: Yeah. So if I'm hearing you right, you're saying that even though, we have all this internet-based stuff that the skirts will ultimately come back down. I, I believe it's, that it's going to be personal contact. I believe that,
0: but I, you know, I, I'm old and I'm old school, and maybe I'm a, just a dumb old jock. But for me, <laughs> I believe that the trend has really gone hard. You know, people are looking in a mirror and watching an avatar of themselves exercise, and and, and there are great things about that. Please, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm just an old grouch. There, there are some really, really great things about that. I just believe the pendulum will swing back to a certain degree. And I think there's always a place for in-person work, building that community. It's it's why places like like CrossFit or F 45, it's why they're so popular. It's not because of the exercises. Yeah. You know, F-45, Barry's boot camp, yada yada yada, it's six of one half dozen the other. I mean, but it's it's that community feeling, it's that, it's that 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 camaraderie, it's that that feeling of being part of a tribe. I think that's the part that is always gonna matter.
5: Yeah, I really I really think I I not only do I think it's right because the human factor is always stronger than the um mocked up environment, you know, the the whatever you know, Mark Zuckerberg throws at you with his uh, virtual reality, you're still always you're still going to be a human being and right down to the gene, we we need social contact and And I think we actually learn a lot better when we're in contact with somebody that really knows what they're doing. You know, just like you said, you can only learn so much through a flat screen. And, uh, you know, you and I used to do a lot of good, solid workouts together. So, you know, I might be talking about how I do a single arm clean and jerk with a 140 pound dumbbell. And there's just certain things you cannot, I can't touch someone's body through a screen. I can't. Guide them. I can't see the multidimensionality of how they move or why they maybe have an SI joint problem that couldn't be picked up on a screen. So I, I I I feel you're right because the human factors in there, and I hope that you're right because if the pendulum doesn't swing back, what I see is that exercise starts to become more and more dangerous because it's not filtered through the connection and the observation, you know, like, if you and I aren't standing with a group of athletes, we can't really see. We can't predict problems before they come, we can only wait till someone's in trouble. And then we missed something that we could see in present in the physical presence, like someone might have a slight change in their gait, because they've got an inflammatory reaction in their knee or their hip or their SI joint or any number of things or low back. And it might be hard to pick it up on on video, but when you're standing right there, you can feel and see these subtle nuances. So, um, point being is, I I hope you're right. I suspect you're right. I feel that it's natural, but I also know that this the sort of the scary reality is is the large corporations, as you know, are pumping so damn much money into keeping people isolated on screens because they get paid for advertising and they actually get paid for the amount of seconds you're on any one of these screens so they're using the most advanced psychological technology in the world to keep people addicted to screens so i just hope that the human factor overweighs the psyop operations behind one thing one thing only is you know money and control over people i think you know
0: what and and i again just to circle back on this I think there is so much good uh that that comes of this and I think that if you know if I if I was able to 25 years ago access all of your lectures I and mean, you have so much free information that's YouTube videos and your podcasts if I had access to that it would absolutely would have benefited me but I think it's also important like I said once I have that information I've watched the video I've listened I took my course online whatever have that network of people that you can go back to and say hey I took this really cool course. I listened to this cool podcast. I I watched this cool video. Here's what this guy Paul said. What do you think? How do you like that? How does that resonate with you? How do you think we could apply that to our practice? You know, can we do all of it? Do we start with a little bit? I think that the reality, I mean, it's, it's, it's an obvious reality that, that, you know, having this stuff is good to have access online. I think it's a good thing, but, but I don't think it should ever be an either or choice. I think you always have to have that human interaction, that, that community. Aspect of what we're doing.
5: Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your sharing with us, Matt. Uh, you know, you do have a lot of experience. You have seen a lot, and and you've trained a huge amount of professional athletes. So it's by no means a question of whether or not you have your finger on the pulse, which is why I wanted to talk to you. So thanks for joining us. And I look forward to uh speaking with you again whenever we can. Where can people find more about you and your offerings and, and whatever else you'd like to share? Sure. I mean, I'm I, I'm not I'm not super active on social, you know, as we
0: probably just covered in our talk, but I do I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, Matt underscore nickel on Instagram, or just my name, www.mattnickel.com on the internet. And uh yeah, I'm happy to answer questions if people have random. If there are any truth seekers that have very uh, you know, short uh answered questions, happy to field those anytime. And if they need a little bit more information, then we can look at that too.
5: Right, and can people still sign up to train with you if they're oh, local yeah. to you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We've got a we've got a large staff here, lots of coaches, fantastic therapists that can always help. Uh, you know, and if if they do need specifically me, which not you know, I don't know, that's necessarily always the case. but I have lots of great coaches, but if they do, that's
5: always an option. And just for the audience listening, where are you located? Uh, sorry, yeah, I guess I should have started with uh, Toronto, Canada. Okay. Great. Well, thank you, Matt. I really appreciate your your support, your help, and your friendship for all these years. You're always my buddy, and I always look forward to any chance to hang out with you, no matter whether it's digital or in person. (laughs) Oh, it's an honor. It's an honor anytime.
4: Next, Paul talks with Mindy Milrea, whom he has bumped into at almost every fitness conference he has ever presented at. Mindy has almost too many awards to list, such as the 2017 Lifetime Achievement Award winner for CanFit Pro, the 2016 Empower Instructor of the Year, the 2015 PFP Trainer of the Year, the 2013 CanFit Pro Speciality Presenter of the Year, the 2008 ECA Oboe Fitness Presenter of the Year, the 2004 CanFit Pro International Presenter of the Year, and the 1999 International Idea Fitness Instructor of the Year. The year. She is a national and world aerobic champion, as well as a five star presenter for Idea, author, motivational speaker, video personality, and CEC provider for both ACE and AFA. Mindy is the creator and lead talent behind Gliding, Tabata Boot Camp, Extreme Hit Chaos, and the non profit wellness education movement One Day to Wellness. She is a master trainer and on the pro development team for Schwinn Cycling, Body Bar, and Bozu. Mindy has authored numerous articles and has starred in over 1000 instructional videos. Most recently, she is the author of the book The Plant Powered Penis.
5: One of the people I wanted to speak to for our special episode today is Mindy Milray. She's been in the industry as long as I have. In fact, we we just were chatting and she's she's about a month or so older than me. So we've both seen a lot of things come and go in our careers. And uh I really wanted to share her with you because she's always been super fit, super on top of her game. She's very hip on nutrition, and I've seen her at too many conferences to even remember. And I know that she's the real deal. So, Mindy, welcome.
1: Well, thank you, Paul, as are you the real deal.
5: (laughs) Thanks. Well, I've kind of proved the test of time. That's for sure. Both of us have. That is true. I, I wanted to talk to you about your philosophy towards fitness training and health, but I thought maybe just for the listeners to get a sense of who you are, you could just give us an overview of your background and, and uh, what brought you into the industry and anything you'd like to share in that regard.
1: Well, what brought me in? Well, sort of by accident, actually. I was um, in New York City. I was um, going to be an actress. I was going to be Peter Pan on Broadway. (laughs) And to get myself through college, I taught fitness. But I taught fitness way before it was even a thing. Group exercise wasn't around. I started teaching when I was 17, sort of mother-daughter disco, actually. And then (laughs) Uh, I went to visit my parents and I noticed there was this aerobic champion or this aerobic competition or group exercise, whatever you want to call it, in a bar. And you could. Huh. Live- of five thousand dollars. So I entered this competition in a bar, and I won. And way right. back when, everybody's smoking in the bar, so you, you can just imagine <laughs> the scene. All these people are are smoking, and you're doing high leg kicks for thirty minutes. And it was definitely my first initiation into anaerobic training. <laughs> So from there, um, I went on to win the World Aerobic Championship in, I like to say 1947, because it seems like such a long time ago, but that was 1991. And that opened the door for a lot of sponsored um, opportunities at conferences where I was um, the leader of the Spalding Sport Rope. I brought, I made a whole um, program out of jumping rope with a, a large weighted rope. From there, I created the Gliding Discs. I am an infomercial host. Um, I have two patents in the United States Patent Office with gliding. Great. Created a lot of boot camp. Um, my husband, I always wanted him to join me in business, but every year uh, he, would, he would say, well, men, we've got three kids that we're trying to put through private school or college or whatever it was. And and he would say, we just can't financially do it. And then I got my first infomercial gig. And he said, well, you know what? I think we can do it. And he quit his job, joined me in business. He realized the fitness industry was not really back then the wellness industry. No. We were eating a lot of processed junk garbage. And he said, you know what? I really want to make a dent myself. And he became a holistic nutritionist. And he started lecturing on evidence-based nutrition. Well, long story long, about I don't know six or seven years ago, we were in an air- we were in an airport and we were going from one conference to another, and that was our life. Every single weekend, we were at a conference, and he had a mini tantrum. Um, in the Atlanta airport, and he said, "I'm not getting on another plane. I just don't want to do this. This is just not the way to live."
5: I know exactly what he means. Yes,
1: yes, yes. So I said, "Well, what do you what do you think we should do instead?" And he said, "Well, why don't we be like John Madden and drive around a big bus?" I'm like, <laughs> okay. And so the next day, well, right after the other conference, we then went home and we bought this 32 foot RV. And we both decided that we really want to dive in, hook, line, and sinker. And so we created this um, nonprofit called One Day to Wellness. We wrapped our RV in our logo with fruits and vegetables all over, and we started touring at from. We went from conference to training to conference to training in the RV. And we thought, oh my gosh, everyone that sees this RV is going to come running because we said, follow us and ask us any questions. Well, we learned really quick that you you roll into an RV park and it's not an asset to have fruits and vegetables on your RV. It's more of a liability. People say, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so <laughs> we, we wanted to make a real dent with all populations and hopefully we're doing that. But slowly uh, we're trying to to really promote health and wellness. And that's why I'm so very excited, Paul, to be on your podcast, because I think um, the, the where you're steering is, uh, is just the perfect opportunity for people to really hear where they should go with their careers and what they should be doing and, and how we can really make a difference, not only in fitness, but also in wellness. And that's my whole goal is to help people be well.
5: Yeah, well, you know, I, I, as I've been saying for a long, long time, because as you probably well know, I'm very involved in nutrition, but very, very holistic—not not chemicals and not formulas and things like that. The science of the soil up, and I've been lecturing on the fact that we haven't, we we've been having a problem with fit sick people, you know. And I coined the term the fit sick person probably 25 years ago and said, just because you look good in the mirror doesn't mean you're healthy on the inside. And uh, so I think that's very important. I'd, I'd love to hear just a, a sort of an encapsulation of your philosophy towards fitness training. I mean, obviously, you're, you're, you're into nutrition and you're into fitness and it's your life. But if you had to give a statement of what your philosophy is, what would your philosophy towards fitness, training, exercise, and health as a general uh, way of relating it to somebody be?
1: Well, thank you for that question. That's a wonderful
5: question. And at sixty-one years
1: old, been there, seen that, done that, done this, and when Bruce and I created our program, our nonprofit. One day to wellness, we really looked at what are people doing globally that's creating wellness. It's not going to the gym and working out for an hour, it's really living every moment the best that you can. And that means feeling, uh, moving, uh, incorporating, just being. So I advocate moving throughout the day. I coined the term work in as opposed to work out.
5: Oh, yeah, I did too. I didn't even know you even knew that. Well, you did, did you? Yeah, it's in my book, How Do You Move and Be Healthy? I I, you know, I wrote that book, and um, I published it in 2004, and that's where I shared the work in concept, but uh, I, I was writing it for three years. But I studied with Master Fong Ha because I was trying to find a way to get people to understand the importance of cultivating life force energy instead of burning themselves out with exercise all the time. So I spent time with a true master of Tai Chi, studied Tai Chi, got trained in medical Qigong, and I came up with the concept of working in, and I didn't even know you'd ever use that term. That's wild.
1: Yep. So I, I lead a, a workshop at conferences called Creating the Work In because as a trainer, you can only meet with your students maybe two to three hours a week, and then what do they do the rest of the time? And, and what happens is, is they get this licensing effect that we know what that is. It is, oh, I did a great thing. So now I can go out and do not such a great thing, right? So right, yeah. I can go eat whatever I want. And if we as the trainer don't instill, this was a great start, but what you do now going forward with the rest of your day Makes a huge difference. So I have these. Uh, I have a pack of cards called uh, Seeds of Change cards, and it's just a card for your you to use if you can't think of something. But I also want you to create yourself um, just things that you can instill in your students when you are with them. And so you start with a question at the beginning of the class, and it could be something like, as easy as, "Hey, did you bring your water bottle?" Right, mm. and A few times during the class, you just drop a little seed of information about water, right? Yes. Or about a nutritional study or whatever. And you're not going out of your lane of practice, your scope of practice. You're staying within. You're just saying, citing a research study or posing a question. And then at the end of the class, you say, you know what? We're going to have a challenge. I want us all to drink a little more water throughout our time until I see you next time. And I want you to look and see if that really changes the game for your maybe thoughtfulness or maybe your energy level or whatever it is. So that's just an example of little things that we can do. But my philosophy really is move more, be not be idle from the mind or the body perspective and be conscientious of your actions and your deeds. It's not just about working out, but it's working in, being. Mindful.
5: Yes, that's beautiful. I'm sure most of you are aware, even though you may not like the taste of organs, that organ meats are extremely important and good for you. And I've got great news for you Paleo Valley makes an amazing grass fed organ complex that's unique and better than anything I've ever found out there. So much better. I wanted you to hear right from Autumn Smith, its creator, exactly what you're going to get from their grass-fed organ complex. Autumn, get us informed on why we should be using your amazing organ complex.
1: Okay. Well, like you said, organ meats are nature's multivitamins. And when we use them, we feel this energy and this stamina. And most people don't like the flavor. So what we did was we took grass-fed and finished organs like liver and heart and kidney, and we just put them into capsules so that you can get all the benefits, the beautiful benefits of organ meats without actually having to taste them, without liver burps, of course. And they're just freeze-dried. So again, they're not processed heavily in any way whatsoever, and they are sourced from American farmers using regenerative agricultural practices. And all you have to do to try it out is go to our website at paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. And you can use the code check 15 and that's lowercase C-H-E-K-15. And I sincerely hope you love it.
5: How have your consumer... And professional views, attitudes, and trends, or how have you seen consumer and professional views, attitudes, and trends changed or not changed over the time you've been in the industry? Because you and I have both been in the industry a long time. And what I didn't sell you, and you probably don't know, is I actually entered into this industry by being an aerobics instructor as
1: well. I think I knew that. Yes. Yeah,
5: it was like when I was a kid, I was actually a fighter, I was a boxer. But I kept going to this gym where they had aerobics because it was great conditioning for my boxing. And the quite often, the instructor would just not show up. So I would just take the class over. And then they they finally just said, well, you know, you can teach this. Why don't you just keep teaching it? And so I, that was my kind of my entry into actually teaching fitness was, was an aerobics studio. But because we've both been around for a long time, I mean, I've been practicing professionally since uh january 1984 as a as a, a professional i started off as the trainer of the army boxing team but my point is is that we've both been around to see a lot of things come and go mm-hmm. i'm just curious what your views are on how have trends changed over time and i'm curious um where do you Think we're at now, and where do you think we're going? Which was actually my next question, but you can sort of package it. What have you seen come and go, and and where are we now, and where are we going?
1: Everything comes and goes and comes back again.
5: <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: yeah. So in in trends in fitness and gyms, you're going to see step aerobics maybe come back, not as big, but maybe come back. Zumba was huge and. And now dance-based fitness is maybe making a comeback, but in a different way. So everything in some form or fashion comes back. What has changed, though, from the pandemic? See, pre-pandemic, we were very much, uh, in the United States, especially, into boutiques, Uh, going to boutique gyms. uh, Many, many people like that. The big box gym was not quite as popular as more the specialized but people were getting things online somewhat, but now it is an influx. So now you're seeing big companies are putting a lot of money, um, Apple and uh, Amazon. And I, I work for a company called Silver and Fit, which is the active aging market. And we have a whole slew of fitness videos that are online. So people are more comfortable being online. And... So from that perspective, we are definitely, we've got hybrids coming on, especially with conferences too. Conferences now are not fully back into um, the mode that they were pre-pandemic. I think that we're gonna continue to see that, uh, that there are options for people. It's much easier for somebody to wake up, not have to put on a a fitness outfit and go right in front of their computer uh, and do a workout. Now, on the flip side, there is a, a huge number of people that need that in person experience. Yes. You have to. That's like concerts will never go away because that concert experience, that just life changing aspect of being motivated by someone else in person is something pretty incredible. And because of the pandemic, there we need that even more now than ever before. We need that contact, that physical contact. Uh, so so I, I think where we are going is definitely a hybrid thereof. There are people that never thought they would be online that are now online. There are people that Never thought they wanted to go to a gym, but because of the isolation, now they do. But they're also, there's a younger generation that's coming up. And I'll talk specifically about the fitness industry that, and this pains me, but they're not learning how to teach. There's so many pre-programmed choreography opportunities like Les Mills. And it's not, I'm not saying that I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that I I would love to be able to be in front of a group of people. And this is why I teach at conferences, because I want to teach people how to teach, not just teach people how to follow me, but teach people how to think for themselves and create for themselves. And that that I don't want us to lose that. But I think that with some of the things that we are offering out there in the fitness industry now, we are losing that sense of creativity.
5: Yes, there's something that I've watched happen in my career, which I personally find very disturbing, and I wanted to hear your thoughts about it. There came a point, probably, I would imagine around, if I had to take a guess, 20, it probably started happening around 2010, and it just got worse from there. And that was, you know, I used to go to conferences just like you all over the world, and you would have like 85 to 125 presenters on a wide variety of topics, most of which were not connected to products. And then I started seeing that the whole of the conferences were now oriented towards selling stuff. I call it gimmicks. For example, I make the joke that the Reebok core board can be used for everything from herpes to you know posture to fitness because it it was so heavily pushed and so what happened is i saw less and less presenters coming in with specialties like physiotherapists coming in and talking about an si joint pathology and how do you deal with that as a personal trainer or a strength coach and what do you you know specialization for specific types of athletes or classes on speed, agility and quickness. And then as I I watched this sort of infectious product oriented thing, and it seemed like the sales component of the conferences was more important than the education aspect of it, which I found very, very disturbing. And, um, And it seems to have just gotten worse. The other thing is I used to get paid you know not anything like my hourly rate for for working with patients like i would if a a client came to me for help because i'm more i'm not a i'm not a trainer i'm a therapist but um then all of a sudden they were saying i had to pay to lecture at a conference i'm (laughs) like, what are you talking about i've got to pay i'm the one bringing you the education and i'm the one People fill the seats because I'm well-known for my work. I'm, I'm actually helping you and you want me to pay you. So my my question really is, I've seen the industry change and almost get a stranglehold on it by manufacturers of products and it's pushed education out, which I find very disturbing. You've been around as long as I have. What's your observation in that regard?
1: You hit the nail right on the head. Oh, my gosh. It's all about money, yeah, money, I hate money, that. money, money, money. Oh, my gosh. Um, there, there, there's a conference out there, and I'm not going to name it, but, the, but this person has seven or eight shows a year. And early on, she told me everyone is expendable. And I found that pretty hurtful. And I did not take it to heart. Uh, but I, I thought, you know what? Um, I'm going to prove her wrong. And just like you, uh, headliner uh, at every show, and and then I started having to pay to go. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. There was a show last um, right before the pandemic in Dallas. Bruce is sold out. All of his lectures sold out. He is so passionate when he speaks about nutrition. It's just so much fun to watch him. Just like you, I mean, just passionate and and speaks his mind and and just talks about the science and anyway the the uh, Texas Beef Council apparently they were going to give this convention a lot of money to have a booth but they said one stipulation that Bruce Milray could not present
5: oh i've had that happen to me multiple times
1: well we were bumped off the schedule because this conference wanted The money from the Texas Beef Council. It, Paul, you see it everywhere. And it is, the, the industry has changed so much that you are not getting the brilliant presenters that we used to because they're not, the conferences aren't offering any money at all. It's that's the way it is, and it's unfortunate because all these new instructors that are coming into the uh, the fitness arena are not getting these brilliant presentations because they are
5: sponsored. Yes, and it's 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 turning it into uh, almost like a canned experience where you don't have. You know, I'm a clinician. When I go to present at a conference, and, and as you, you probably know, I lecture at physical therapy, chiropractic, osteopathic, medical. I mean, I've, I Penny and I spent 25 years moving nonstop because I was in so many different industries, and my my education system's multidisciplinary. We have everything from doctors to nurses to chiropractors to osteopaths to acupuncturists to truck drivers changing careers. And and so because I'm a multidisciplinary presenter and a multidisciplinary teacher and practitioner, I wanted to make sure that when I'm presenting, I'm giving people in any of the industries an an observation of how other people look at any one of these things, from back pain to athletic performance. And so, you know, I tried to bring that holistic view so people learned how to recognize what you could do with somebody if you couldn't figure out what to do. And now when I would go to conferences and, and I, I just it's almost like everybody's reading a script like TV announcers. You, you know, you, you see these commercial where you see experts showing like with COVID, every single TV announcer in the world was saying the exact same thing, which means somebody's controlling them that's even beyond government. And so I go to conferences, and I'm walking down the hall, and I see people saying things. And I walk two doors down; they're saying the same things. And and to me, that's that's the same thing as monocropping and farming. That's how you kill the diversity of nature. So it's really disturbing to me because I've seen that we've lost the in the the um, injection of novel ideas, novel concepts from very skilled and experienced professionals that used to get paid because they were successful and they were well-known and they did get good results. And I think that's a very dangerous thing for not only the fitness industry, but for any industry.
1: Mm-hmm. We've also gotten um, into a very vanilla state where it's we, it, we can't say certain things and we should um, My goal every time I was at a conference is to um, disrupt the system.
5: (laughs) Yeah, me too.
2: I know. know,
1: All you got to do is tell the truth and you're you're a problem. (laughs) Well, I just wrote a book called The Plant-Powered Penis. Hmm. and i've been on a lot of podcasts where they don't allow me to say the p word oh my god even medical conferences it's so funny and i'll say so they'll they know they have me on because of my book right and and they'll say but you can't say the title of your book and i say well okay what would you like me to say (laughs)
5: <laughs> so, you'll have to call it the plant powered bulbo cavernavus
1: the yeah the plant powered thing that's down there that we can't talk about it <laughs> uh, but it, it, but it's it's really i wanted to write this i mean i i had to write this book because of all the things that we now know scientifically that causes erectile dysfunction and how how to not get erectile dysfunction and i and i'm living with it because my husband has prostate cancer and the doctor said you'll never have an erection again From all the radiation and the hormone therapy and everything. And the opposite's true. So I kind of had to share my story.
5: Good. Well, I'm glad you did. Um, What do you predict the future of health, fitness, even nutrition? What what do you, if you look into your crystal ball, where do you see this all going? I mean, we've talked about what's happened. It would be interesting if you and I were having this conversation 25 years ago to see what we thought.
1: Yeah, I would love to have known back then what I know now. All I can say is it's going to be interesting because you got one hand the younger people that are looking for um, their fitness perhaps from an influencer that doesn't really know anything about fitness. So you've got that camp. Um, then you have the real educated um, uh, instructor that's really trying to do it do the right thing. And then you have these pre programmed classes as well. You know, Paul, I I don't know where it's going. I, I hope, I hope that it's going in in the form of functional wellness. And I think the camp is going into the wellness area. I think we're getting. there was just an article from, um, 24 hour fitness. They're bringing in a whole wellness component. Now I see they're bringing it in because of the money. However, it's leaning in the right direction that we need to be, um, helping the whole person, not just the, you know, get a better booty, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. So I'm hoping that, that it's shifting in that direction of wellness, stress management, all of that. And it's not just to make money. You know, when I read the article, I was thinking, oh, are they are they doing it just for the money? Or are they doing it really because for the greater good? Uh, and that's why Bruce and I started a nonprofit. I mean, it's, it's a nonprofit in every sense of the word. It doesn't make any money. At all. <laughs> we can fuel the wellness wagon. We've done a good thing. But every person that we talk to, that we touch, that we Help change their life and their children's lives. We've done a good thing, but but I'm in a very unique situation in that I'm not lo- I'm not 30 years old that needs to feed my family. You know, I need to I need to make a certain amount of money. Um, I'm I'm good, so now I can give back in that respect. So I, I just I hope it I hope it goes more in the wellness area lean that way but not for profit
5: yes one of the things that concerns me and disturbs me deeply is this whole movement toward biohacking and electronic devices for everything and you know I see that the more people rely on external technologies the more out of touch they get with themselves i just and it seems like this whole tech movement is is got a chokehold on everything and and covid really brought a whole bunch of that stuff in now with trying to use vaccine passports and this whole thing. It's just going crazy. What are your thoughts on biohacking versus just paying attention to yourself and having a relationship with yourself?
1: Paul, I think you and I are kindred spirits. I really do. Look, I have no devices. Me either. No, I, I am not a device gal. That's really interesting that you say that. I- uh, I understand it. And I understand that some people are motivi- motivated by, you know, counting their steps and doing this and that. I, I do not want a device to tell me if I've slept well. Right. I don't want a device to tell me that I've gotten up and walked a certain amount of time. I want to be able to be in control of that myself. And that's something that I lecture about as well, about being mindful in the moment, right? Yeah. Like when I'm teaching fitness, I don't, I don't count reps. I don't, I, because I want my students to be in the, in that rep at that moment, because if they're thinking, oh, I have to get to 20 reps, well, then they're thinking about the 20th one and not the one they're in right now. Yes. Yeah. I I totally am hearing you and I understand. And I, yeah, I think that, I think that the technology piece, I think it's going, it's going to go Full circle around again, I think. And I think people are, are people that are excited about it now. It's like my husband, he got it. He got one of those watches that, and he wore it for like two days and he's like, I'll oh, forget this.
5: Yeah. <laughs> well, the other, the other issue with those things is they're all based on algorithms. And I tell people, look, you are not an algorithm. And the analogy I give is I say, look, I'll give you an analogy to point this out. Do you realize you could have a stack of stones that's got 10? tons of stone that has an average weight per stone of two kilograms. And you could look through and weigh every single stone and never find one stone that weighs two kilograms. The point being is algorithms on electronic devices are made based on mathematical calculations of all sorts of people, but you're not any one of those people. And you could be very different in your personal needs, and you're now being regulated and told whether you're doing good or bad based on somebody else's data. And human beings are not data sets. Yep. They are living, breathing, dynamic beings. And you can't capture the soul of a human being and put it into an algorithm. It's impossible. And when people begin to use technology to tell them what they do, what to do, they have now actually used AI technology and digital technology and machine technology to take over the direction of the life form that actually created those technologies. And that's a reversal of roles that's very dangerous.
1: I think so. and I th- But I think it's coming back around. I think leaving your phone when you go um, for a walk or to the beach or just leave your phone, just enjoy. Like I was at a wedding on Sunday, I didn't take any pictures at all. And everyone else was taking pictures, and I just wanted to be in the moment. Yes. And I knew someone else would take a picture. So,
5: yeah, of course. Well, thank you. I I really appreciated talking to you. It's been a long time. and, And even at conferences, you know, because I'm moving around and I'm not a guy that likes to hang out in trade shows. I've always seen you there. I have talked to you a couple of times. Penny loves you. So she'll always be excited about the chances she gets to talk to you and your husband. And when it was time for us to plan this out, you're the first person I thought of. I said, you know, mindy and her husband they're they're very real um they're they're the kind of people that i think are important to talk to because they actually have substance to them and they're still there and like us they've seen a lot come and go so i'm i i'm I'm really glad that penny was able to reconnect with you guys and and i loved hearing your viewpoints and and what what an interesting thing that we both came up with the work in concept and didn't even know we'd both done it together. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Well, great minds, great minds, not on technology, just living the life, working it.
5: Yes, once you get to the essence of something, you find the commonalities, right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Well, thank you very much. I look forward to maybe uh, reconnecting again along the way, Mindy. So, And give your husband my, my thank you to him as well.
1: I will. I will. And say, say hello to Penny as well. Thank you so much for having me.
5: Yes. Is there any websites or anything you want to share so people can find out more about your work?
1: So our nonprofit is one day to wellness, all spelled out one day to wellness.org. And you can find all my workouts on there. And um, if you have show, do you have show notes?
5: Yes. Yeah. well, Well, Penny will put it all in there.
1: Yeah. So what I can do is I'll, I'll share with you my QR code. And if they, if they click on the QR code, um, I can provide you with a free workout. Excellent. It's all functional
5: based. Perfect. Well, we like that. All right. Thank you very much, Mindy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show. I imagine you know that magnesium is one of the minerals that people in North America are the most efficient in, but it's an extremely important mineral to have in your diet regularly. And believe it or not, Bioptimizers has improved what was already well known to be the best magnesium formula out there called Magnesium Breakthrough. So I've got Wade Lighthart with me to explain what it is they've done to improve this already excellent formula. Wade, what is new about your new mag breakthrough formula? Well, it's called
2: sucrosomial magnesium. So we have seven different types of magnesium in magnesium breakthrough because they're uptaken by different parts of the body. But a new type of magnesium has been created called sucrosomial and what it shows in the research and science is that it's actually even more absorbable by the body, particularly inside of the brain, which is a big aspect uh, to enhance neurotransmitter formation as well as ensuring the rest and relax response in the nervous system. That a lot of people will take magnesium for they find it, you know, clocks them down, helps them sleep better, allows for the relaxation of striated and smooth muscle tissue in the body, which creates an energetic relief. And so when we added sucrosomial, we were able to demonstrate inside our lab facility that we were able to get better improvements. Of course, we have a partnership with the Birch International University. We have some patents we're working on, uh, which will kind of relay some of these things, but sucrosomial was a no-brainer when we added to the formula, improved the results or improved the uptake. And the reports back from our testing team were like, wow, this we get more results with less caps. And that's always the goal for our company.
5: That's excellent. I love it. I I always say, and people have probably heard me say it before, I just am so amazed how you guys are constantly and always improving and working your best to not only make better products for us, but it doesn't seem to me that it gets more expensive as you make them better. So that's a real gift to the world. Thank you. Here comes the best part. The makers of Magnesium Breakthrough, Optimizers are having a Black Friday special offer from November 21st to the 29th. You can get not only Magnesium Breakthrough, but all of Bioptimizers' excellent products with 25% off. Just go to Bioptimizers, that's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash living4d, that's living number four little d, so Bioptimizers.com forward slash living4d, and enter the code Paul10 on checkout to get 25% off any order. This is the best time to stock up on the products you love and try new ones. All Bioptimizer supplements are amazing and do exactly what they say they will, which as you know, is unusual in the supplement industry. If for some reason you feel differently, you can get a full refund. No questions asked. They are so confident they offer a 365-day money-back guarantee on any of their products. Hey, if you've arrived here late and missed the special offer, don't worry, there's always a chance for a 10% offer for any of my listeners using the code PAUL10, P-A-U-L in lowercase with a 10, all stuck together. But if you've arrived just in time, again, the link to go for the exclusive Black Friday offering starting November 21st is bioptimizers.com forward slash living, number four, little d, with the checkout code PAUL10. Do it while supplies last, and don't miss the November 29th deadline.
4: Paul's final guest for this episode is Matthew Janicek. Paul has been a guest on Matthew's podcast, Escape Your Limits, so he was excited to return the invitation. Since co-founding Escape Fitness, taking it to a $33 million business chosen by big brands and independent fitness professionals around the world, such as the UFC, Equinox, One Rebel, Sanctuary Fitness, and more, Matthew has continued to be a powerful advocate for functional and group training. Matthew travels the world, helping studios and gyms turn their visions into world-class fitness destinations and awesome training experiences.
5: Our next expert is Matthew Januzek, the founder and owner of Escape Fitness. And Matthew, like me, has been in the health and exercise industries for a very long time. How long, Matthew? Um...
3: Probably a bit over thirty years. Yeah, that's a while. Worryingly old.
5: <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling when your students start sending you letters saying they're now married with children in college. Um, it makes you go, "Wow, what's going on here?" I'm getting old.
3: Yeah, that's right. That's right. But time it's time goes.
5: Yeah, and and it's good, you know, because I really. As we were mentioning just a minute ago, my goal with this podcast is to speak to people that have some real legitimate depth and experience in health and fitness so that we can really have a meaningful discussion about these issues. So to begin with, maybe Matthew, you could share a little bit about your philosophy towards fitness, training, exercise, and health, and whatever rises up into you, how you came to those um, observations or conclusions, and we'll we'll begin with there, so everybody listening has a sense of where you're coming from.
3: Right. Well, it's it's quite funny that I I probably first got into it because I had um, people around me. I had a I had one of my cousins or kind of step cousin who was he he just liked to work out. He had these just like uh, kind of ball like a bowling ball biceps and. And we used to meet once a year at Christmas time, and, and as kids, maybe maybe when I was a kid, and you kind of used to just show off your biceps. That was the kind of thing that, that teenagers did for whatever reason, I've no idea. but and, and every time I used to see him at Christmas time, which was probably once a year, he would show me his biceps, and for some reason, I just wanted to have biceps like my cousin, and, and it was, <laughs> maybe it was like his manly thing that kind of made he, he, he kind of had that you know he was quite a hard you know tough guy and someone that i always used to look up to and was inspired by and almost wanted to be my my younger my, my sort of elder cousin martin and so i think i think because of that as soon as i was able to i, I taught my my father into getting me some plastic weights as, as a kid at christmas and and i had this um just natural attraction to to dumbbells and barbells from a from a very young age I, I, bodybuilding was the sort of thing that that i um, that hooked me, and um, and I think that really that that sort of um, moment is really why I'm in America with you know with a fitness company supplying fitness equipment, and so you know sometimes these small things can have a lot of positive um, consequences if if you direct them in the right way. So I think that's how I started, and and I I you know the gym I started to work out at was a very what we used to call it in England the spit and swordish gym, and 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 the sort of you know, the, the guys that used to teach you how to train was they, they were the bodybuilders that wanted to build muscle. And then in the corner, there was the power lifters that used to do all the Olympic lifting. And so I was, I was very influenced by the bodybuilding training, uh, for, 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 muscular development, but then also powerlifting um, by accident, because that was those two things were both ha- happening in the gym. And, and I learned how to, you know, as obvious as what it seems now is like, you know, how to, to squat properly, how to deadlift, how to do a clean. And I suppose even nowadays, things, these are things that a lot of people probably don't get to learn. They don't maybe have those people around them that can show them how to do that. And I think that provided me a, a pretty reasonable base uh in, in terms of how to train. And I think when I was younger, the reason I was doing it was purely to pick up girls and and to sort of, you know, look as though I was a, a, a sort of worthy kid amongst my peers you know it gave, kind of gave me that that sort of ego thing that you needed if you had a bit of muscle and and hopefully I was gonna you know look attractive to the opposite sex but 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 that really that was how it started and then as I progressed I, I experimented with all, all different types of training particularly as a result of being in the industry and I saw a number of different trends come and go from all cardio to when, when the functional training started and experimenting with things like kettlebells and and suspension training and balance training and all these all these different things that come and go. But I, I think now as a 52 year old male that I'm married, happily married with with children, so I'm not necessarily focused on the aesthetics. Although that does make you feel good if you you know if you feel confident in your own body. But but I've I've kind of come full circle, and I and I still really believe in a lot of those basic principles, the, the essential you know strength training principles because. They make me feel good, powerful, able to do what I need to do in life. Um, I, I, I suppose I combine that with some very, you know, some basic type of cardiovascular training. So I've got this, the stamina and endurance and I'll use a number of different tools for variety. So I, I like I like kettlebells. I like suspension training. I like bodyweight training. And I, and I, I, I feel like you know, I use a lot of those training tools to just to mix it up a little bit. But, but it, it's probably relatively boring for most people's standards. But it, but I've, I've found that, you know, in the 30 plus years that I've been working out, I, I certainly look a lot better than the kids I went to school with. Exactly. Uh, probably, <laughs> <laughs> who probably don't do that. And um, and although, you know, whether I'm up on the exercise science and, and I've seen a lot of people come and go and, and a lot of trends come and go like yourself. And, and, I, and I feel that, you know, just doing the basic stuff. Well, and, and in, including some good flexibility and, you know, making sure I'm very, very mobile, mobile, which, which becomes more important as you get older, because you lose a lot of that. You know, I, I hope that I can continue to be strong, athletic and fit, you know, into my you know, very, very late years of life.
5: Yeah. So how would you describe health as a component of your fitness or training philosophy? Well, I, I've just funny, I've just come
3: back from the men's health offices, and we've had exactly the same conversation about what, what health is now. Um, their mag- He was telling me about their magazine years ago was very much exercise based. And I think that's how I looked at health years ago as as it was very, you know, singular in its in its nature, where it was just about working out. That was really what health meant. You, you worked out and you probably had some protein powder. I think nowadays, certainly from my perspective, health, is is very multi dimensional. Um, I've I've certainly got you know I've I've got a lot of that inspiration from the way you look at it, um, but but even with my own philosophy, um, I, I think that a healthy body is probably at, at the centre of what I do because that links into a healthy mind. And and as I've been through life and had many struggles and issues whether that's in my personal life and with business having and, and before I even understood and, and read any of the research is it's it's always been a place where I could it's, it's always been a safe place it's like when the mental pressures become too much for me to even want to get up sometimes and uh and, and to live a normal life, getting in the gym and and doing something has been a place of release and when I get out it's almost like I've had a shot of something in my arm and suddenly i'm a i'm a different person so so i think my my mental health, which is very very important to your physical i think it's it's for me it's been it's this constant loop um uh work very very closely together and and i think it's an important part and when my when I'm drifting off somewhere in life then it's probably got something to do with either. What I'm doing physically, or something to do with my diet, which is another pillar—my my sort of you know what I put in my body, my my, my nutrition, what I what I drink and and, and eat, etc. But then also it, it it's it's what I do outside of business and outside of life. So there's this whether whether you call it a kind of recovery or a rebalancing part, um, which as a business owner and a I suppose a fitness addict for a long time. It's always been this sort of no pain, no gain, um, you know, sleep is for losers kind of mentality. And, and as I've got older and studied a lot of successful business people and a lot of successful athletes, um, I've started to realize, well, actually, you, you need, you, you know, it's not just about what, what happens when you're working out or working, it's also what happens outside. So trying to continue to evolve, evolve and develop that, that other part of um, my sort of, I suppose, my health um, and then, you know, there's, there's the other element, which, which I believe the, the relationships and the, the, the sexual health part of your life, you know, it's a really important part that probably, well, it's, it's a really important part. It links to physical health. It links to mental health is, you know, they're all sort of intertwined circles and, and making sure that that relationship and the, and the interaction you have with your partner is also um, fully rounded and developed. So, so I think for, to answer your question, I, I think it's the physical obviously um I think it's the the recovery part of the physical it's the mental it's the it's what you eat and drink and then it's 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 the sort of close relationships that you have with with certain people and um, and there's probably a spiritual one which I've not really gone into and I know it's one that um, I probably need to sort of spend some time and learn a little bit more from you and I, I think that's probably the the final thing that Is is part of that for me, but one that I've probably not gone, you know, very very deep in at at the moment.
5: Yeah, well, I think it's all good. I mean, I define spirituality as connecting to a progressively greater whole. And when you look at what you've just said, if one is not just aware of the physical aspects of health and exercise, but is aware of the mental, the emotional, they've expanded their awareness. If they're aware of the diet and hydration. It's another expansion. If they're aware of regeneration, recovery, sleep, introspection, self-time, it expands again. And if one is aware of how all of those things ultimately create sustainable happiness, then they're expanded their sphere of awareness again, all of which really is a spiritual way of living. So really, it's spirituality is really just being aware of what supports you and sustains you so that you don't Destroy it out of unconsciousness. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's
3: and and I, 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 I my wife's way more in touch with this than what I am. But I, I think it's it, it's it's difficult to put your finger on because it's not physical. And and um, and I'm, I'm you know probably one of the areas I've been hesitant on is is to is is you know how I define it. And I've learned probably try not to be too specific about how you define it. But probably it's that faith in something that. You probably can't explain but it but it's it's maybe some sort of compass that is a compass that is good for you good for others and, and good for everything that is is going on in the universe if, if if aligning with something like that that probably isn't easy to touch and and feel I, I think is something that you know I'm I'm conscious of but probably need to figure out how I can consciously move forward in in that direction in somehow but I guess it's a it's a it's a journey, isn't it?
5: It is a journey, and and j- just to sort of conclude our discussion in this regard, ultimately what spirituality points to transcends the physical. It transcends categories. It transcends belief systems, and it remains a mystery. And I think that's what makes true spirituality and even religion so inviting. Is that? You can never bring it to a conclusion. So it's, it's really always as you grow, the horizon keeps moving. So you, you get more of a sense, a visceral sense of what that transcendent is, what that transcendent source is. What, what is it that draws us to want to love, to want to care, to want to be involved? And, and that's, really what makes it so beautiful because it's a it's a target that moves with us and grows with us but can never be ultimately encapsulated into any idea and I think that's that understanding is very very important because as you know dogmas are very dangerous no matter what profession they're in and dogmas are always closed belief systems that lead to a belief that stops one from questioning, and if one stops questioning, they automatically stop learning and growing, and that's death to the soul. Ultimately,
3: yeah, I, I, I think it's an in, and, and it's just brought something into my mind that I wanted to to, to say now. And 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 the the thing that, that that does surprise me is, I suppose, the more connected I am um, from a health perspective, it, it certainly, as I mentioned earlier, has an impact on on the mind and and I do feel that through and maybe this is just me I'm curious to know how you feel but but through exercise and 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 living a a life which seems to be more in line with what your physical was created for there I, I I do whether you can call it information or inspiration or whatever that but, but there are a lot of times and that and the more connected I, I kind of get with that, the, the more I start to see. But but you, when when you're going through something in life, or trying to solve a problem, or trying to figure something out, you you tend to align in a sort of an unphysical way with with answers, or maybe questions, or a direction that seems to be as a result of of. of um, you know through movement and um, even even when i'm sort of running i i, I kind of I, I, I get sort of more aligned and, and and almost like a slight and enlightenment about things that i'm trying to figure out whereas on the opposite side which may make some sense when i'm probably not as healthy as what we all understand healthy to be and probably physically and from a, a diet perspective and maybe sort of slightly going off in terms of Pushing yourself physically too far and not rested, and, and that you tend to lose those signals, and and the signals that you tend to get are probably ones that may not be the signals that you should be listening to. So it's almost like this for me anyway. That seems to be this connection in terms of how you're operating physically and the and the and the messages and that that you seem to be getting, and when you're in the other direction, which which we understand from a barometer perspective, you can see when you're moving. You know, from a health perspective, in the right direction, then that information that comes to me seems to be more of a guiding principle that you can actually take note on and and, and probably follow. Does, does that make oh, sense? Oh yeah,
5: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, in summary, what I hear you saying is that when you're exercising and living in a flow state, then you sympathetically resonate with the greater flow, be it the world or the universe, and that's where. Intuitive insight comes from we're, we're accessing the rest of the self, the greater self. Whereas when we're stressed, we become encapsulated, and because as our stress levels rise, our frequency changes more towards narrow focus and survival. Then we resonate only with narrow focus and survival, and and that unfortunately is what you do if you're running from a tiger. But if you're running from a tiger. Uh, for months at a time, then you often end up having to come to this sometimes harsh realization that you're creating the tiger and it's not a real one. And as long as you keep manufacturing tigers that want to eat you, you'll keep living that way. And that ultimately leads to a lot of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual crisis. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the problem. You don't realize, and I've
3: listened to you talk about this, but you don't realize that you, you are creating these emotional tigers and you're living that and you're going from one to another. And it's like, well, why is this continuing to happen? And, and as though it's, it's happening to you and, and and when, when it's, when, you know, you're, you're actually in, in a lot of cases have the ability to kind of shift that. And, and it, you know, certainly takes a lot of work and, you go, I'd certainly go through stages where I'm figured it out. And then suddenly it, you know, I'm, I'm not figured it out, but certainly the more as I go on and I start to see and recognize it, the more I can sort of take those cues and, you know, help keep things in, you know, going in the right direction.
5: Yeah. Lovely. Um, how have consumer athlete and professional views, attitudes, and trends changed or not changed over the time you have been in the health and fitness industry.
3: In uh, the role that I do, we, we our business has been going twenty five years. We manufacture, um, we, we design, manufacture a lot of fitness training tools. So we're always really on the lookout for new trends and new ideas. And and um, and I and I suppose it's very rare that anything new comes out from a i guess from a fitness perspective but it's not a version of something that's been around for a long time now that, that you know there are one or two things that come out but generally they're things that have been around and are packaged in a in a slightly different way and um and I guess I you know when you've been around for long enough you can actually sort of see that and you can probably notice things that start to repeat it was it was funny again this this conversation I had earlier was was about trends that we're seeing, and um, you know there was this swing probably probably five, seven or eight years ago with this whole CrossFit and when functional training was there, um, and and it almost displaced all of the people using machines and and that stuff. And and now when I'm talking to people that are running these businesses, there there seems to be a trend where people are going back and wanting these these sort of isolation machines and. And so things just seem to go round in circles. Kettlebells, which is, you know, has been around forever, and maces, and and and, and so I, I think, um, in terms of what I'm influenced on, I, I like to keep an eye on, and, and I like to, to study what what people are talking about because I do find just remembering about something that was really great, and 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 just rethinking about how you can in, you can incorporate that into what you're doing is fun because we forget a lot of things. And and so I don't think there's any harm in that. Um, I I think there does seem to be certainly in in the fitness industry, there does seem to be the, this idea that this, the the new thing is the only thing. And in a lot of cases when that gets down to the sort of man and woman on the street um, with all of the marketing attached to it, it, it can end up doing a lot more harm and good because they, they don't necessarily explain the context that this is like, this is one part of a, of a broader system, which I think is what we mentioned earlier. And it's like, and instead of it being like, this is all you need to do and I need to do it, you know, three or four times a week and that's it. And as long as you do that, you will be, you know, you'll reach this Nirvana state. I think there's a, there's a problem with that in our, in our industry. Um, I, I feel on the, on the sort of nutrition side um, and, and understand the body. I, I do feel that that probably for me evolves um, a lot faster, and I think w- w- the understanding that we get through through certain s- science means that probably things that we did think were relevant before have changed, so I like to try and keep an eye on that, but I think I asked a similar question to you on the podcast you know what do you do? How do you decide before between what's what's good and what's not and and I think you said to me you you don't know but what you've got to do is you've got to try it and experiment and figure it out how it works for yourself you've got to be a practitioner and then if it does work you know figure out how you can pass that on to other people and and that's really the the approach i've taken i'm a, i'm a student and and always will be um i I'm, I'm inquisitive um it's probably why i do the podcast i ask lots of questions and i and i'm a very simple person I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have lots of letters after my name. I'm a very simple person. I didn't come out of school or university with, with degrees. I, I left school quite early. Um, but maybe what that, what that does, that makes me sort of try and understand things on a very, very basic level where I can explain it to someone else on a very, very simple level. And if I can boil it down to, okay, what does it do? Is it good for you? Where does it come from? How do you use it? What do other people think? Then I tend to sort of absorb that and then experiment until i'm i'm happy with it but I, I do i do experiment with a lot of things even things that are relatively um new and, and maybe unproven just just to sort of just to learn for myself about things that i shouldn't <laughs> probably don't want to do I, I i think the only my only concern is probably experimenting with things maybe too long where they could potentially you know if it's the wrong thing they could potentially do you do you some harm and i think you know probably everybody's got to be very cautious about new things and you know how long that experimental period goes before if there is something that's not good about it before you do any physical harm or or any harm to your to your body which
2: obviously isn't isn't a good thing
5: yeah you know if you looked into your metaphorical crystal ball what do you see and predict the future for fitness training movement strength training you know the the kinds of things that we're talking about. How do you see the next year, three years, ten years unfolding? What do you see coming?
3: Well, I, I think there's there's two ways I look at that. Is is what I would like to see it doing, and then maybe what it will you know what what it could become. Um, and and so I try and think of the best way to start. I, I think for me, uh, similar to what I said before, I've I've spoke I've, I've I've interviewed hundreds of people over five years uh, now, and I've of all different areas of, of the health and fitness industry, and the, and and uh, and we do seem to agree on a lot of things. And I think there's some basic things that I feel um, we know enough about. And for eighty or ninety percent of the population, if we did those basic things that are not too crazy and complicated, we would be healthier, happier, fitter. And um, and are just a much better balanced, you know, world and society that we live in. And it's not that difficult. Um, and I, you know, I'd be interested to see what you think about that. But I, I think there's some real basic things that don't cost a lot of money, um, don't require a huge amount of of um, research and development and innovation and um, experts. It's just a case of just being aware of of what's good and what's bad, trying to have a certain amount of control over people and companies and businesses that are trying to convince you that things are good for you that, that probably are not. And if, if you could kind of toe that, that line, then we would, we would be in a great place really. And I think, I think you know what, what they are. You talk about them a lot in what you do, but you know, base, but it's a very simple exercise. You know, we just got to, we've got to move, you know, we've got to, we've got to move very, very simply. We've got to, um, uh, you know, develop some muscle, flexibility, um, a, a certain amount of cardiovascular fitness, and and it, and it's not that complicated to achieve that. We've got to have good diet from good good sources, and and I'm hoping people like yourself and the education that you do will help people understand where to get your food and what good food is, and hopefully through that there'll be more companies that are doing things in the right way, that are growing things in the right way, and. And breeding things in the right way that will be able to thrive because more people move down that right direction and they force out a lot of the crap that we're you know we're forced to consume out of the way so that we can have a, a pretty decent diet. Um, and um, and and so so that would be my that's that's what I think should happen. Or I'd like to happen, and I think there's some great people that that are telling that story, and and hopefully more people will become awake uh, at, at, you know. What what they really should be focused on, in, instead of being blind to to you know what what
5: the media tells them. Hi everybody, I'm not sure how familiar you are with minerals and trace minerals, but minerals are important to our body for many, many functions and minerals and trace minerals also help regulate our hormonal system. And one of the products that I've been using for many years is Shilajay minerals. But when I got a hold of Sheila Shilajay from Symbiotica, it was a total notch above anything I've ever tried. So I've got Cherveen here to tell us what's special about his Shilajay and how to
6: use it. You know, Shilajit is, uh, you can pronounce it any way you want. I like Shilajit. It makes me want to dance a little bit, uh-huh. you know, because The actual product makes me want to dance. Good. I take it on the rise. You know, it's at the center point of Ayurveda. It's you know, collection of fulvic minerals, soil decomposition of plant material. So you're getting all the minerals, and you're getting it the way Mother Earth provided it, and the way we can absorb it. And so the way I look at that, it's instant energy, and it reduces. Acidosis across the body. So, if you want to reduce and chelate acids out of the body, Sheila Jita is pretty much the answer and the solution to that. And, you know, it's probably our best seller right now. Everybody's, you know, doing rituals with it on the rise and they're using it throughout the day. It makes for a really good, you know, tonic. It's delicious. Once your body starts getting acclimated to it, the flavor starts to kick in. And, you know, if you're a coffee drinker, if you're a matcha drinker, if you're a tea drinker, this is a really good balancer to keep your body nourished of what you need because most people drinking coffee, yes. they're pouring acids onto an already acidic body. This is a good way to balance that out through the minerals.
5: And if you're not eating certified organic food from good soils, you're eating mineral deficient food. And the minerals in J are very important for our skin, our nails, and our hair, which a lot of people have problems with. So I think this is a great product across the board for anybody. And our jing, right? So we are
6: mineral deficient. Yeah. Our foods have been dilapidated, right? It's yes. like Franken foods, right? Shilajit is mineralizing you to the blood, to the the bone. And if you're a man, you're really going to feel it. Let me tell you.
5: Yeah, well, good. I'm sure the <laughs> women will like that. So get your jing yes. with your J And jing, you know, that means your your juice, your life force, boys. And uh, the nice thing about J is it does not take much at all. Oh. Uh, a serving is tiny. It's very potent stuff. So it's not like you have to use a lot. It'll last you
4: for quite a while. To get 15% of this product and all the other amazing products by Symbiotica, go to symbiotica.com and use the promo code L4D15 at checkout. That's symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com with the promo code capital L, the number 4, capital D, and the number 15.
5: So we we just, unfortunately, we just got cut off. So Matthew and I are now jumping back in and he had just shared what he would like to happen. Now he's going to share what he thinks is likely to happen due to external forces such as corporations (laughs) and their pursuit of money. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I
3: look, I don't think there's any harm in us. And, you know, we're in a, a world where generating money is is essential. You know, we couldn't do what we're doing here if we weren't, you know, if there wasn't a business case for it. But I I think it's like, well, how far do you push that? And in some cases, it's it's to the detriment. I I think providing that you're aligned with with what you're doing and it's and 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 it's it's in a positive direction, and I think it's great. But unfortunately, what what I see happening in the fitness industry and the diet industry and the and the cosmetic and and medical side is is that we're pushing things that we kind of know. And not the best solution to the to the to the problem. We all know what the best solutions are, and, and and Paul's an absolute advocate for those. And if you if you you know, eat as Paul suggested and move in the correct way, then you are going to be healthy and have a much health healthier life. There's no really, there's not a lot of debate on that, and I don't know many people that would challenge that. However, on the opposite side, there's these shortcuts, and I think we're probably in the world that we live in today with with the fast-paced social media and and the the, the comparisons that we're trying to do, where we're made to feel as though we're not good enough, no matter what we look like and 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 how we perform, we're always meant to made to feel as though we're not quite good enough. And and what that leads is people, younger people, to particularly on you know, on, on the male side, is is they're pressured into doing things that in in sort of 10 15 or twenty years will will be absolutely you know devastating for them. You know, and I've I've seen this happen to so many people, and they're forced into probably you know taking drugs and pills and tablets and and injecting things into them and, and having medical treatments and um, and and all of these things that are quick fixes be, so that they can get to something that they feel they need in order to fit in socially or to fit in as a, as an individual to to feel as though they're complete and whole and 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 i I don't see those those things slowing down i, I you know I see I see the rate of those things increasing and i and, and I almost see the outrageousness of, of some of the options that are very easy for anyone to get at a very, very young age before they've even developed and understand who they are and what they're meant to be and who, the, you know, their place in life that, you know, this, this is being forced on younger people. Um, you know, I've got two young kids that are, that are starting to go into that, into that category. And for me, I, I almost want to do everything possible to, to make them aware and, and to understand about what this is and to understand, okay, there is that road, there is this shortcut. And if, if that's really what you want to do, this is the price you're going to pay. And this is where you're going to be when you're 30, 40, 50 years old. Um, but if you, you know, if you don't, and you want to kind of, you know, have a pretty good life and you want to be together and you you want to be healthy and, and, um, and I always used to think when I was 20 that if I got to 30, then I'd be great. But when, you, when you're 30 and 40 and 50, you want to be 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. You know, you, you don't really want to cut it short. You feel as though you want to live life to the full as long as possible. And these decisions that, that you make in your 20s and 30s are, are going to seriously compromise that. And then I, I think this is what, uh, we don't always understand when when we're younger. So to answer your question, I think there's a there's a good path, and I think more people like yourself and 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 your community that of, of trainers that you're training are really the ones that can and should continue to go out there and push that message. Um, and I think there's the other uh, route, which is almost a pe- people and businesses and solutions that are made to seem as though it's acceptable just because you see a celebrity doing it. and someone's like, oh well, if this person's doing it, then it's got to be good. It's got to be safe. And and so and where the people that are a little bit more radical and eat differently and talk differently, they're almost marginalised and they seem as though they're a little bit cuckoo. And and you know that people who put you into that category. It's like, well, what's this weird guy talking about? He must be strange. This is, you know, he must be a conspiracy theorist. And and <laughs> and yet, yeah, and yet the other people that are just providing things that are, you know that are totally detrimental, or it's almost made to seem as though it's acceptable because the cool people are now doing it. And I know I've gone on a little bit of a rant, but um, I do feel quite passionate about that, particularly for a lot of the people in, you know, the age of my children that are starting to get very heavily influenced by a lot of this.
5: Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. And, you know, really, I think a lot of what you're talking about, aside from the designer drinks and so-called superfoods and pills really boils down to This radical explosion of the whole concept of biohacking and using gadgets and devices and shortcuts. Uh, You know, something else is always telling you about you instead of you paying attention to you, which leads you to not knowing you and depending upon something that's battery powered or plugs into a wall. And as I often say, what ends up happening is you become a child in the woods with no inner compass, so you're lost without your gadgets and um, and your tricks. And I think that uh, I think because of the corporate interests and the massive amount of money to be made, I think human beings have always been susceptible to avoiding the work of life and, and even the work of love, you know? And so uh, when people come along with shiny trinkets that will, tell you when to pee, when to exercise, when to eat, how much calories to eat, you know, and all this other stuff, they, they fall for it because they actually, uh, I think at an unconscious level, it means that they don't have to think and make decisions and take responsibility for their choices because they are turning that responsibility over to a device that was made by some genius in a laboratory somewhere, um, which is really no different than people running to doctors and therapists to try to get help for things that ultimately the result of them just not paying attention to the way they're feeding, hydrating, sleeping or not sleeping, or taking responsibility for creating happiness in their lives instead of getting it from some pill or bottle or or uh, TV show.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, and the funny thing is, I, I, there's a lot of comparisons between health and business. You know, both sides, people want to get rich quick and they want to get fit quick, both of them. And I've and I've met, as you probably have, a lot of very, you know, successful people in both of those areas. And I've never come across anyone yet. And I'm, I would love to interview them if, if if they're out there. But I've never met anyone yet that's done either on one of those quick and sustainably. The, you, know, you, you can kind of have, you can be sustainable or you can be quick, but I've never met anybody that's done it quick and sustained that over a long period of time. And, and the other thing is, is I think there's this illusion, there's this sort of messaging that's going out there that, that quick and fast is good. And, and the people that I have met that are are pretty together people have said that the the bit that you're missing, and I did this when I was younger, the, 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 the bit that you're missing is actually that part of that, that work part that the part where you put in the work and you go through that process—that's actually the gift. You, and 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 missing that out is you're actually missing the most enjoyable, the most sort of um, you know the 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 richest part of the process. And and it takes a lot of getting your head around. But but that in itself, that pushing against something, that resistance, uh, it is is really I think the essence of life. And without it there is no life without that anybody that's made a lot of money and 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 been extremely successful once they lose that they turn they they just self destruct their you know physically mentally and you can see this with all the famous people that have been an extreme you know movie stars and, and musicians you know when they get there and they've reached that top you know most cases where do they go why are they addicted to drugs and alcohol and porn and you name it because because they've lost and, and that goes even for sports people, footballers, um, you know, fighters. All of them, it happens exactly the same. Why is that? Well, because the bit that brought them to life and and made them who they were has now gone.
5: <laughs> yeah, you know, here's what rose in me as you were sharing is that, and, you know, I'm 61 years old, so I've been around for a while, <laughs> and I've seen a lot of shit come and go, and I've seen a lot of people come and go, and I've seen a lot of one hit wonders flashing the pans, you know, everybody thinks, oh, this is the greatest thing. And they're rushing off to these lecture halls. But then two years later, this nutrition genius is dying of cancer or something, you know? And so I think the growth and development of strength and power, be it personally, i.e. conditioning or even emotional strength or mental strength and power, or the accumulation of wealth and business, which equates to more power, because the more money you have, the more power you have to do things. The the accumulation of wealth and power has to have a natural growth process, just like a tree has to progressively grow to develop the strength to handle extreme weather so it can survive. And it starts its growth under the canopy of the larger trees that shield it until it reaches the point where it breaks the canopy. And now it gets the hurricane straight on. (laughs) But if you just said here, little tree, here's a magic pill and you can be 160 feet tall tomorrow. (laughs) It won't have developed the maturation and the work hardening and the life experience to know how to deal with forces like that. So when people accelerate muscle development or accelerate strength development, or accelerate the accumulation of wealth and power, but they do not go through the maturation process of learning how to manage strength and power, it ultimately destroys them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know if you remember a number of years ago when Chevrolet released their new Corvette that had like 500 horsepower, they had a key that you could turn and it would decrease the horsepower by about 50% because so many people were looping these cars out and crashing them. <laughs> so they had to put a fail safe switch in there so that the owner could then say, well, okay, I'm going to let you drive my car, but I'm going to turn the power down. And, and I think that is a very good metaphor. You know, when all of a sudden someone just hands you the keys to a 500 horsepower car and you had been driving a VW something <laughs> with 136 horsepower for most of your life, you think you got the world by the balls, but the next thing you know, you got a telephone pole wrapped around you, you know? And so I think it's, I I think there's no shortcuts to the development of the maturity, the wisdom and the um, integrated holistic process that we have to develop through relationships with teachers and mentors And also through the study of of the kind of examples we're giving of people that skip the process and observing what happened to them. I've studied the biographies of over 150 of the world's greatest thinkers, inventors, artists, because I really love learning how it is that people reach their genius. How do they actually, you know, how does that genius go through this process of metamorphosis? And and as you said, I haven't seen a single one of over 150 biographies that had an easy time of it that was just handed the golden (laughs) spoon. and, And even people like Mozart, he may have had the musical genius very early, but he still had to deal with all the other people that had an interest in manipulating him, profiting from him. Um you know, and, and look at the stories of all the famous rock stars and musicians who just got ripped off by music uh, corporations and record producers. So even if you have the, you know, the Eugene Sandow talent for being the strong man, if you don't develop the wisdom to manage yourself in personal and professional relationships, the very strength that you have becomes something that other people uh, prey on for their own benefit. Mm -hmm. And without the strength of relationships, which you have to have in order to grow and develop in any field or endeavor for your health, because you don't know how to do it on your own. So if you don't have those relationships that give you a positive role model to follow, then the paradox is the very strength and power your youthful silliness is after becomes the double-edged sword that cuts your head off.
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
5: And you see that a lot. You know, the common thing with
3: people that are successful is, is their, you know, the relationships, you know, multiple divorces and, and, and the, and the rare people that do get somewhere, you know, they, they, they're very well protected. You know, they're, they have their families around them and they're, you know, they tend to, the, the athletes and the people that I've certainly experienced tend to be relatively boring people because they've got this amazing talent, but they've got this grounding element where it's like okay you know they've got the the basics the emotional side the relationships and that under control and so the, the the fame doesn't get control of them like people that have just developed that one single area and not developed the other parts and and I think that's it it's you know to move all of those four or five things up at the same time takes a lot of time you know you could probably go up on one of those strands you could be just just focus on business and then your relationship or or your health suffers, but they, they, they all kind of need to go together, which in order to do that does take, take time. And it, and it, and it's, there's, as you, you know, coming back to your point, there's, there isn't many hacks that can do that for you.
5: Yeah. It reminds me of a little joke that I'll, I'll, I'll tell just to close our conversation because it's so appropriate for exactly what we're talking about. I may have told it on the podcast before, but since so many unique listeners come to each podcast, I think you'll get a chuckle out of this one. I'll I'll change the words a little so it's not so intense. Um, A young bull walks up on top of a bluff where he sees Papa Bull standing he looks down into the valley and the valley's full of heifers. And he says, Papa, let's run down there and have sex with one of them heifers. And his Papa Bull looks at him he says, "No, son, let's walk down and have sex with them all." <laughs> yeah, that's right. uh, you know yeah. that that youthful urge to attack, you know, to 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 get, and and then the wisdom of you no, know, save your energy because there's a lot of them and there's only a few of us and we got a lot of work <laughs> to do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, very true. Yeah, well. I really appreciate your taking the time and your super busy schedule to uh, share with us. Um, I really thought that, you know, with your length of time in the industry, your own interest and development and uh, commitment to your own life, that uh, it would be a great opportunity to to share your views uh, along with the other experts. And, and we've had some great conversations. So I think when the podcast out, is out, you'll really enjoy hearing what the other guests had to say as well.
3: I will do. Thank you. And and uh, thank you for everything you do, Paul. You you've, you've certainly continue to be a great inspiration to me. And uh, and I'm very privileged to, for you to have invited me on today. So thank you very much for your time as well.
5: Great. Why don't you tell us where people can find more about Escape Fitness and anything else that you want to direct them to?
3: Yeah. So you can, um, if, from a business perspective, you can check me out, Matthew Januzek on LinkedIn. Uh, also, I do some sort of fitnessy based stuff on Instagram, which is Matthew Januzek again. And if you're interested in any designing a gym or a fitness facility or anything cool like that, then we're escape fitness, EscapeFitness.com. You'll find us on, um, on anywhere on Google or YouTube. We do a bunch of stuff there. So yeah, if we can help you, uh, that'd be great.
5: Well, great, Matthew. Thanks for sharing with us today and lots of love and, um, continue your pursuit of the best fitness equipment out there and, uh, keep being a great example for all of us. I really enjoy your company.
3: Thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate it.
4: Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Cech and today's guests, Matt Nickel, Mindy Milrea, and Matthew Janicek. You can find Matt online at mattnickel.com or follow him on Instagram at Matt underscore Nickel. That's M-A-T-T underscore N-I-C-H-O-L. Connect with Mindy at onedaytowellness.org or on social media at onedaytowellness. That's one spelled out O-N-E. You can get a free workout created by Mindy by going to tiny.cc forward slash Mindy's workout or by visiting the show notes page at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast and clicking the link. Matthew and Escape Fitness are online at escapefitness.com, on Instagram at Matthew Janusek, that's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-J-A-N-U-S-Z-E-K, and on Facebook at Matthew Janusek Escape. Check out Matthew's podcast, Escape Your Limits, available on Apple Podcasts and many other platforms. You can find Paul on Instagram and TikTok at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living4dwithpaulcheck. d with You can also watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com or visit the Czech Institute site at checkinstitute.com to find Paul's e-learning courses, advanced training programs, and learn more about the Czech Academy. Don't forget to check out the very special Black Friday offers from the Czech Institute at blackfriday.checkinstitute.com. You can read the show notes and find links to the guests and resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcasts.